Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody, and I'm your host today. This is episode 62. You didn't catch the difference of the intro there. Yeah, sadly, Elaine is out today. She is down with the flu right now, and she is not in a place that she needs to be behind a microphone recording. So lift her up in prayer this week, guys, and pray she gets feeling better. But today, you and I are just going to have a time to sit down and chat about something that's been on my heart, and that is people need people. But before we get into that, just a quick reminder that if you enjoy this podcast and want to keep the conversation going, we have a group just for you, the Reckless Community. You can go down to the show notes below and click that link and ask to be a part. Also, if you enjoy this episode, we ask you to share it on with a friend. That's the best way to keep this conversation going. So with that, let's just get right into this topic on People Need People. So today... Uh, Elaine and I were at a walk-in clinic and she was getting tested and swabbed for the flu because she she has a headache and she has a fever and she is achy all over and her sinuses are draining. I'm sorry, babe, if you listen to this later, I'm telling everyone all of your business. And she just doesn't feel well right now. She feels like crap. And we were sitting there in the doctor's office. She was ready to go home. She's ready to be out of there. And I knew I still had to run all over town and try to get her medicine and try to get her taken care of. And she looked over at me and she just told me something and it just broke my heart. And I said, she just said, Cody, I love you. I trust you and thank you for taking care of me. And it just broke my heart. And of course, like she's my wife. Of course, I'm going to do my best, but I'm just a human being. And I have my own shortcomings. And in that moment, I almost I almost feel a bit like a bit guilty of this, maybe, but I couldn't even bring myself to think of the good things. But all I just started doing was thinking of my shortcomings as a person, as a husband, as a friend, as a son, and just as a as a human being. I was thinking of all the shortcomings I have and and how I have so much that I wish I was better at, so much I wish I could do more of. And I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I am a selfish person with my time. I have a hard time giving out time to others. I have, I'm, a, I'm an introverted person. I'm very to myself most of the time, and I love to watch things from the sidelines. And of course, we'll be talking about more about this when we get into our Enneagram stuff. But my personality is I want to observe and it's hard for me to give out. Now, of course, it's not for my wife because we have that emotional connection. I can pour out my heart to my wife, but that's still not, how do I say it? That's not the only time or the only person that needs me in life. And I've been the other way. I've been the person that goes above and beyond for everyone to the point of burnout and the pendulum swung, uh, swung back the opposite direction at some point in my life, and I was trying to be more conservative, but there's a balance. You can't give too much, but you can't not give enough, and I was just thinking of all of the shortcomings I had, and you know, really, 
and just it really kind of I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. It brought me to tears sitting there in this little walk-in clinic waiting room, and it just devastated me. Something that was said so sweetly and so innocently and so thinkingly and. It just wrecked my heart. And, of course, I already get emotional whenever someone I love is in pain, whenever someone I love is going through something, is not feeling well. I already get emotional. I have a tendency to take that stuff on myself. And and the worry and anxieties that I have kind of try to swell up. And and I got I to admit, like, it's hard. But even more so, this just went one step further. And so we drove home. And I had some prescriptions of hers I had to get filled. I dropped her off at the house, got her settled in, made sure she was okay. She went to sleep, and I went to the, the store to get her prescriptions, which was a whole other ordeal to going to two different pharmacies because one was out of something the other one had and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it was a process. And so, of course, I went to my podcast feed, and I saw that there was a uh, a sermon by a person that I kind of look up to, and I just I kind of put it on, and they were talking about repentance and the differences, which we talked about this recently, but just the difference in shame versus conviction and the difference in condemnation and conviction. And I was like, man, Elena just talked about this not that long ago. This is something very fresh on my mind. But I realized in that moment that I was having conviction because God was showing me ways I could be better as a husband, better as a friend. He was using this exact moment to reveal something to me, but it had went a little bit further than that into shame, and I had taken that on myself, and I had taken these flaws and started to identify with them, and it started to make me feel less, like less of a person. And as I sat there waiting on her prescriptions to be filled, I I just started to watch people around me, and I realized just the desire creation has for other people and how community is such a vitally important thing. And I don't just mean community like the group you go and see every now and then. We desire companionship and partnership with other humans, and that is a godly desire. It was put in us on creation. You know, at the time we were created, it was instilled in us. We were created by a creator who had a desire to be with creation. Think about that. God created us to walk with him, to commune with him, just like we would a spouse, a friend, a parent. We have that innate desire pre-programmed in us because that is God's desire as well. And it just started making me think about this. And of course, there's the whole topic of how, you know, in those moments, I had moments with God and how God can be our comforter and our friend. But really what I want to talk about today is just the desire of people's hearts to have other people and how most of the time God is shown best through the behaviors and the outreaching and the attitudes of others around us. So I'm just going to read a quick Bible verse from James, and it's this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we're going to come back around to the companionship side, but let's just talk about what companionship is. What does it mean to just be there for someone else? What does it mean to show 
Christ to someone else by just being there for someone. And so let's just talk about this verse for a second and all that it shows us. Give people an ear to listen. It's so hard for us as people, as humans, as as beings that honestly have so many selfish tendencies to give someone an ear to listen. So often we either want to try to interject our own opinions or we want to give someone a piece of our own mind or we're quick to to rationalize our own feelings, but we don't often take a second to see someone else's point of view. And giving someone an ear to listen is honestly insanely difficult. The other side to that is a lot of time when you give someone an ear to listen, that means offering up a part of yourself to be vulnerable. And we don't like that. We don't want to have to hear what someone else is going through and to be vulnerable with them because so often that can seem draining or it can it can seem harsh. And while sure, there are times where we have to defend our own you know, inner peace, per se. People need that. People need to be able to know that they have someone that they can talk to and trust that's going to just take a second and listen to them, to listen to their heart, to listen to what is on their mind. And that ties right back into that verse where it says, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. The next point is to give people a chance to speak. Now, this goes along with giving someone an ear to listen, but it also means taking a moment to actually hear them and to listen to the words they are saying, to give them the ability to feel comfortable enough with you that they can be open and honest and real about what they are feeling. And that goes right back to that verse where it says, be slow to speak. And the last point is give people room to grow. We all have shortcomings. We all have things that we have missed along the way. And it's easy to point out someone else's flaws. It's so easy to tell someone else all the things that they need to fix. But just as uh, it says in the verse where it talks about um, a speck of dirt in your brother's eye while you have an entire plank in your own. And this is, it's basically the whole, the principle of those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones per se. It's the idea that people need room to grow. If you have a plant and you put it in a pot, it's only going to get as big as its roots are allowed to flourish in that pot. And sooner or later, it's going to get root wrapped and it's going to outgrow that And it's not going to get life because it doesn't have room to expand. And that's what happens to people whenever we don't give them room to grow. They will flourish up until a certain point, and then it will actually begin to harm them because they they get stale, they stagnate, they get root-wrapped, and they don't have the life-giving nutrients they need any longer. And so we have to give them a big enough place to flourish in. I'm sure many of us can think about times where we've been with our spouse And we have pointed out a flaw harshly, or we have told them a way that we think something should be done without considering the way they feel it should be done. Maybe the same goes for a parent or or a kid. Maybe the same goes for a friend or a neighbor. It's so easy to point out that speck in your neighbor's eye 
but how often do we take a second to reflect in the pool that is Christ to view the plank in our own? And that just leads me to the idea of extending a helping hand. There are times in life where we can't do it on our own. We need someone there to walk with us, to go alongside of us, to help us pick up our slack and our burdens, and to to just to know that whenever you fall, someone's there to help you up. Whenever you need, you can't carry the weight, someone is there to help relieve that burden. Just like when Jesus was trying to carry the cross to, to uh, Golgotha, there was a man there that was, that was destined to help carry that burden for him. And that still, to me, is so symbolic of how we are to carry each other's burdens. And it's easy, easier said than done, I guess I should say to go, oh yeah, well, I'm just going to cast my my cares at the foot of the cross. And that's fine, and that's great, and it's necessary and needed in healing and life-giving. But at the same time, sometimes you have to have people come along that says, hey, this isn't yours to carry, to encourage you in that. And then other times it is your burden to carry, but it's heavy and it's hard. And we need someone to say, you know what? You don't need to do this alone. The biggest thing we need to remember is that just people are not the enemy. It's easy to view others as this person who is trying to cause you harm. It's easy to view someone else as as if they are out to get you or if they are the ones who are trying to belittle you. And so often, I mean, it feels that way. An angry boss, a, a vicious you know, a vicious pedestrian walking by, someone you randomly meet, you cut someone off in traffic by accident and they they have road rage. You, you're you in a situation um, maybe in church where you have abusive leadership or an abusive parent. It's easy to have people who feel like the enemy, but despite the problems and the things that they do against you, remember, while those are very bad, they may not be the enemy after all. And scaling it down and, and scaling it back up to just kind of more common occurrences, yes, there are people who do violent things and and they are full of sin and they hurt people and that is not okay. I'm not justifying that by any means. What I'm saying is these common little things, most of the time hurt people do in fact hurt people and it's because they have their own hurt hurt people, hurt people. If we were to take a second and look through the lens, uh, through their lens, through their eyes, there's no telling what we would see on the other side. There's no telling the pains or the, the trauma that they are going through, the fears and anxieties and doubt that have led them to this very moment to viciously lash out. And it's so vitally important as Christians that we take a second to scale out our views and to try to look through someone else's perspective. And that is truly the way to understand how to love our neighbor as ourselves, isn't it? To take a moment and try to understand where they're at physically, financially, spiritually, mentally. When we can do that, we can put ourselves in someone else's shoes. It opens it opens this whole new world up to us to understand who these people are and what's on their heart, what's on their mind, so we can better 
fulfill those needs or we can at least better know what to say or how to act towards them to encourage them in their pursuit of being the best version of themselves they can be. And that goes back to that whole bit of just giving people room to grow. The problem is we can't give people room to grow. We can't learn to show people grace instead of condemnation if we don't first learn to do that for ourselves. And it is so difficult to do that very thing. Just like I was saying at the beginning of this, whenever I was sitting there waiting on those prescriptions to be filled and I'm I'm getting this revelation of, oh man, I had taken some shame on myself here and I need to pick that apart and see what is truth and what is the lie. And I had to realize that I, Cody Johnston, am loved by my heavenly father. I am supported by him. I am made well and good in his eyes. And why am I taking on this false burden? Why am I receiving this? Now, yes, are there areas in my life where I need to work on? Yes, let's take note of those. Let's look at those things of how I can better serve people around me, but I cannot better serve those people around me if I don't first take note of the areas where I'm attacking myself. You are your own worst critic. I am my own worst critic. And I had to take inventory of truth versus lie versus fallacy. I had to get rid of the stigmas that I had created about myself and look through other people's perspectives back at me. I had to realize while, yes, there are areas I need to work on, also one of the biggest areas I need to work on is just my view of myself. Just my view of myself because the way I view myself will dictate how I view others. The way I treat myself will dictate how I treat others. The way I act toward myself, I talk about myself even internally, will in turn dictate how I talk and act about others. It's easy to be bitter toward everyone else when you're bitter toward yourself. And it's easier to love those around you whenever you take the time to show yourself the love you deserve. And remember that the lens God looks at you through is not a lens of hatred. It is not a lens of of judgment. You are set free from your burdens. And that is not your identity. Your identity is not the problems. It is not the bad things. It is not the, the filth and the grime because that is not there any longer. It goes back to that whole thing of so many Christians view themselves as filthy rags, but that's not how God views us. So why would we view ourselves in such a light as that? And whenever we get rid of those, that murky glass, we're able to see reality the way God sees his reality. We have to be mindful of those around us all the time. We pass people in and out, thousands of people every single week. We walk by strangers through the supermarket, drive past them on the road. We sit next to them at the DMV. We talk with them in passing as they check out our groceries. We pass them in our pews. We don't know half of those people half of the time. Everywhere around us, at work, at school, out and about, we pass people. People that we may have seen before and don't even recognize. People that we've never seen before and will never see again. 
and on occasion people that will forever change the course of our lives. And what we have to remember is in the slightest, most minuscule way possible up through the most grand way possible, we have the ability to influence every single one of those lives. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's holding a door or a kind word. Maybe it's as simple as thinking well toward them, praying for them, not even just approaching them and trying to physically grab them and minister to them, but praying for them in passing. And maybe, just maybe, that if we would calm down for a second and view other people around us as other people who are in their own thoughts too right this moment, who have lives, who have families, who have worries and struggles and doubts and fears and passion and joy and talent just like we do, then we would slow down enough to give them the time and place around us to exist along with us because we need that community. And that community stretches outside of just those we know. It is every single contact we have with another human being along the way. You never know what life you are pouring into someone, what water you are giving them to nurture them on their journey with just a smile, a nod, or a kind word. And the last thing I want to mention today is if you have a relationship in your life and it is suffering, maybe you have done something and deep down you know it. Maybe there's something that was said. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe they said something hurtful toward you. And you're sitting here right now saying, I wish that would have never happened. I wish I wasn't in the place I'm in right now. I want to encourage you to take a moment to just present that to God and to allow him to start to work on you in that. Now, you, it's easy to get angry and say, well, they need, God needs to work on them. Yes, that's true. God does <laughs> desire to work on them too, I'm sure. You know, there's two sides to every argument. But sadly, free will only allots God to work on the ones that give him room to do so. So allow the door that God's going to walk through to be you. It may mean having to step away, and that's hard, and I'm sorry. It may mean having to step back in, and that's hard. I'm sorry. It may mean having to make a phone call that you would never make without just that influence from Christ. It may mean having to block a number, or it may mean having to reach out. It may be you need to take six months for yourself, or it may be that it's time you've taken enough time and your time has come to come back. Maybe you'll never get the reconciliation you desire, or maybe what you say will be just enough to re-spark that kindle, that, that passion, that love you have for that other person once again. Maybe a brother or sister is coming back together. Maybe a parent or a son or a daughter's having a relationship restored. But I know that I know that I know 
that even though there are circumstances where we have to protect ourselves, and I want you to know that is okay, that might be the step you need. Other times we're at fault, and that's okay too, because we're human and we make mistakes. And it's okay to be wrong every now and then. The true power comes when we're able to humble ourselves in that. When we're able to give ourselves up to God and say, you know what? That's right. You feel that tug on your heartstrings saying, I need to make this right. I need to do something. I need to take action. And that is true humility. And that, when we act out on that humility, it stifles the enemy from being able to come in with shame. When we act out and humble ourselves, we humble ourselves to God. We humble ourselves to each other whenever we're sincere and honest, despite if people receive it or not. That stops the ability for that condemnation and that shame to grow. It cuts it off and keeps it from taking root in your life because it cannot grow whenever it has not been given room to. When you give room to life, the death cannot flourish. And I just want to encourage you on that today. I'm sure we could all sit here and think of all the things we could do better at, all the things we've done wrong. But I just want you to know that despite all of that, you are well. God sees you as good. You are in right standing. And all of those things that you desire, don't let those hold you back to feel guilty for what you haven't done. Use them as building blocks as we all progress down this journey of being a better version of ourselves. But don't let them pull you back. Don't let them hold you back. You are too precious. You are too valuable. You have too much potential and you have so much purpose to let a little bit of shame, a little bit of regret keep you from being what you were created to be. John 13, 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 1 John 4, 19-21 says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. And of course, the lifeblood of the message. I'll read it from Mark 12, 30-31. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is this. You should love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There is no commandment greater than these. And we can never truly love others if we don't allow the love of Christ to take over us. My question to you this week is this. How much does God love me? And how can I use that to love others. People need people. You need people. You can't do it alone. That's not how you were made. I need people. And if that doesn't get you going, think of it this way. People need you. 
because you are able to do so much, so much good. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Every time we pass someone by, we have the ability to give them life. People need that. We need each other. So let's go out and make a difference. Be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon.